Hello, Claire Nichols here with another bonus episode of The Book Show. And hello, Sarah Lestrange. Hello, Claire. It's good to talk to you about another shortlisted book for this year's Stella Prize. And I know this one is a favourite of yours. It is. It's Melissa Lukashenko's Too Much Lip. I first read it last year and since then I've been recommending this book to everybody in the ABC office. My copy is actually getting pretty battered from all the reading. (laughs) Uh, But look, it's a wonderful story about an Aboriginal family living on the New South Wales north coast. They're dirt poor and it's about how the family responds when a piece of sacred land is under threat. And I remember your conversation with Melissa last year about the book and I really, I loved that visual of the main character, Kerry Salter, roaring into her hometown on a Harley Davidson. Yeah. I can just hear it and see it. It's such a great way to start a book. Uh, but I did get Melissa back into the studio to talk more about Too Much Lip, how it got started. Because, you know, when she started writing this book, she told the media it was all about Aboriginal hillbillies. Oh, look, all all the blackfellas I know are basically hillbillies. (laughs) The only show that made much sense to me growing up was the Beverly Hillbillies because, you know, without talking about class, it talked about class. And uh, I suppose that was um, before Trump got elected, you know, I conceived of this book in, I don't know, I probably conceived of it sometime around 2013, 2014, but actually started writing it in, I think, 2015. Or 2016. Anyway, it was before Trump got elected and it was before people started either talking about class or more dangerously talking about class as a kind of a um, a euphemism for poor white people. And uh, part of what I wanted to do in this book, I wanted to do a few things, but one of them was to say, oh, hello, you know, if you're talking about poor people, you've got to talk about poor brown people and tall, and poor black people too. It's not just... It's about breaking down these kind of stupid monolithic ideas about who's who and what's what, you know. it's We don't live in a society that's black and white and rich and poor. We live in a society that's incredibly diverse and where um, tendrils of all kinds of sections bleed into those other sections, you know. I've got a brother who's extremely wealthy and I've got another brother who's virtually homeless and we both grew up in more or less the same family. Um, So, yeah, part of what I was trying to do with the hillbilly thing was to say when you live in a, a relatively remote small town, you belong to that town and everyone in a weird kind of way, belongs to each other, whether they like it or not. And that's just a factor of geography and history. And you kind of belong to the town too. You know, we see at the start of the book, Kerry Salter, our hero, roaring back into that old hometown of Durango on a stolen motorbike. She only wants to visit for a short while, but the town has a kind of pull on her. Why does she stay in Durango? Yeah, well, there's, um, there's ancestral forces at work there for sure. And as far as the motorbike goes, she says it's stolen, but um, it's actually an open question of well, whether she's telling her brother that the truth <laughs> when she says that or whether she's actually just trying to get him to keep off it. Um, but that's another issue. Oh, yeah, well, she goes down to um, the funeral, unwillingly, to the funeral of the dying grandfather, um, which is obviously just a plot device to get her into the town. Uh, and there had to be something keeping her there. And in early edits of the book, I had her longing to be back in Brisbane a lot more, back in Logan, rather. Um, and the, in the editing process, my editors said to me, look, she's 
she can't be pining for her lover in Brisbane as much as she is. She can't be pining for Brisbane as much as she is. And so a lot of that got cut out and uh, then, you know, other things come along to keep her um, in Durongo and, you know, to allow the book to go where it needs to go. Carrie's a complicated character and that's why I really like her because she's fierce and funny but, you know, she's also got these outstanding warrants. She may or may not be on a stolen motorbike and really the whole Salter family that we meet is a very complicated family. We're seeing the ways that intergenerational trauma can play out in a poor Aboriginal family. We see criminality, alcohol abuse, violence, eating disorders but then there's also this wonderful love and humour in this family, the stellar judges said you've, you've created characters that are utterly believable. How hard was it to strike that balance? <laughs> oh, I just had to look at my family. No, it's it's not a uh, it's not a straight transposition of my family. Although it was inspired um, by uh, some of my brothers <laughs> and some people that I am related to. Yeah, the balance between the hard and the and the funny and the love. Uh, I knew it had to be a funny book. I knew I couldn't go to the dark places I go to and and not write a funny book. And I wanted to, you know, as a writer, it's it's very challenging to write humour. It's the hardest thing um, to make your reader laugh. And I, well, I suppose the hardest thing is to make your reader laugh and then cry and then laugh again. But people told me I've I've pulled it off. Um, yeah, I mean, there's enough misery in the world, isn't there? Look at what's just happened in um, Christchurch. Mm. I mean, we've got to we've got to talk about the hard stuff, and we've got to also hang on to what makes us human and connected, and what makes us laugh. I did wonder, Melissa, if there was any backlash or anyone that that suggested, you know, maybe you need to paint a more positive, rosy representation of Aboriginal life because you do you do go into the kind of gritty places. Mm, yeah, oh, look, I fully expected to get attacked, but um, if I have been, it's been behind my back. No one said it to my face yet. They're probably, I don't know, maybe they're scared. Yeah, uh, I gave it to some Aboriginal women to read before I published it, and I certainly questioned myself the whole way through. But I think there's enough... Uh, there's enough support in the community and among different leaders in different sections of the Aboriginal community that um, I could paint a warts and all picture. And uh, the, the important thing there is context, you know, to say if things are if things are rough out there, um, you know, in small communities or in relatively remote communities, then let's ask why and let's ask what's going on uh, through the generations to make people behave in these ways. The one thing I didn't put in the book was a lot of ice. I've got, um, you know, that's close to me and my family. I've got um, brothers that have done time for ice, but I, I knew that I didn't have enough direct exposure to that um, that particular subculture to write it well or to write it to my own satisfaction anyway. So what I did was I had the oldest brother who's um, an alcoholic and a, a kind of a bastard in lots of ways. Yeah, pretty violent I had guy. Him, 
Yeah, he's yeah. um he's a you know a rough diamond or maybe a rough bit of quartz. I don't know. He um but he's laid down the law in Durango and said there's no ice in this town and if anyone brings it in they'll have to deal with me and that was the way I, I dealt in the novel with not having to describe what ice is doing um, to black again black and white and other communities in Australia. It's um that uh, that allowed me to write. Uh, much closer to my own experience and I think to get the authenticity that people say, um, you know, are telling me that they see in the book. The best feedback I've gotten so far is um, there was a, an older Aboriginal lady on the Gold Coast who told me she never laughed so much in her life. <laughs> she just saw herself in the in what Kerry does with the motorbike. Like she she drains the tank before she lends it to Ken, so he can't go too far away on it and hog it. Um, and then another old Aboriginal woman in Victoria told me that she she didn't realise it was a novel until she was halfway through. She thought she was reading like a biography or something. <laughs> so you know, um, that makes me feel okay about writing the stuff I've written and going to those places. And it's made it onto the Stella shortlist. Is a prize like this important? Is being on the shortlist important? Uh, it's as important as you allow it to be. And given that I want my book to be read and I'm hoping that it's going to be either turned into a feature film or a TV series, which is in um, discussions at the moment, then, uh, yeah, prizes matter um, prizes always matter because writers um, have bills like everybody else and writers have egos like everybody else too. Melissa Lukashenko's Too Much Lip is published by University of Queensland Press and it's one of six books shortlisted for this year's Stella Prize. Good luck to Melissa. I'm going to take things out with a bit of music that I reckon Carrie Salter might enjoy. This is Mojo Juju and Shut Your Mouth. Just shut your mouth You don't know what you're on about It's a never-ending diatribe Of nonsense that you dribble Oh, please get out I don't recall inviting you And I'm so amazed that it doesn't seem to phase you 